1: Welcome back to the program. We are getting stuck into our second hour now on this Friday afternoon, and we're doing it all thanks to SBS Fence. Remember, portable, tall, and temporary fence hire in Sydney. Check out sbsfence.com.au. A you think this might be something out of that first hour that you missed, RJ Ochoa, um, Coach K sports update. Uh, make sure you check out the podcast, wherever it is you get your podcast. Spotify, Apple, uh, Afternoons with Jimmy Smith is what you are searching for. Lots of text messages. Coming in, give us a call as well. 1-300-01-1170, the text line 0457-736-736. Coming up shortly, uh Leo Shanahan. He's the director at Freshwater Strategy. So we'd like to talk the business of sport, but uh, you've got your chance to win a $100 cash. All thanks to Tristan and the team up there at Top Sport. So we're looking at the things you'd like to do slash see before you die. Before we get to some of the nominations Coming in now, I see with interest that the back page story of the Daily Telegraph today, is a big photo of Michael McGuire. We had Michael on the program directly after the announcement yesterday, and of course, Madge on a Monday was a regular on this show during the course of the rugby league season, uh, and so it was great to have the newly installed New South Wales Blues coach. He talked about form, and you know, everyone's gone. Oh he means James Tedesco, but I think he means everyone, right? I think he's put everyone on notice. And if you're a New South Wales Blues supporter and, you know, from a journalist point of view, you're trying to find the angle. What is something that has been said that we can latch onto? And if that's it, that if that's the only thing they can get out of it, then it's like, mm, I won't say it's boring, but it's, it's um, very straight down the line from Michael Maguire. And to be fair, if you think about it, if you think, that this ball has been lobbed back into the court of James Tedesco, who is a, an all time great player, right? So let, let's not concern ourselves with that. And of course, we know that he's the current Kangaroos captain, he's the current Blues captain. But if you say, mate, you've got 12 weeks, you play well, you're in the side, I, I think that's really straightforward. So you think about the other candidates and, and Tom Trabojevic, you go, well, if James Tedesco is playing better than Tom Trabojevic, then James Tedesco is the fullback. If he's playing better, than Dylan Edwards then he's the fullback so it's really straightforward uh, and it's ball back in the core of the players and I don't say that the players are on notice, the players are always on notice, they know they know that's not a walk up start even Nathan Cleary right, who after that last 20 minutes in a grand final and given the fact he missed the last prep season games because of injury I would think even he doesn't think he's a walk up start, just a you are a World up star, Nathan. But, it, like, even he would feel the pressure. Beyond that, everyone, everyone in that New South Wales Blues side would be on notice, I would have thought. Uh, just on that, hi, Jimmy. I hope to see Tommy Turbo lead the Seagulls to a lap of honour after playing an injury-free season. Uh, that's from Andrew. Uh, yes, you know what? I think I'd even be happy to see an injury-free Tom Trubovic lead Manly to a print. I know it sounds strange saying that, but uh, there you go. Uh, What would you like to do? Uh, This is Darren. He said, I'd like to just make one score over 20. I've got a career high score playing organised cricket of 13 and only ever one other double-figure score. Yeah, well, that's a reasonable uh, target that you're aiming for, Darren. A 20 plus score. Um, that would be fantastic. Uh, Jimmy, happy first summer day. And Fry, yay, says Roosterman. Yes, happy first day of summer. It was remiss of me. You sent that in nice and early, uh, Roosterman. I should have got to it early, but yes, happy first day of summer. Keep the text messages coming in 0457 736 736. The open line number 1300 01 1170. But up next, Leo Shanahan from Freshwater Strategy. Talking the business of sport like we do on a Friday with a representative from Freshwater Strategy today. It is director Leo Shanahan. He's on the line. G'day,
0: Leo. G'day, Jimmy. How are you going?
1: Really well, thanks, mate. And let's get straight to it. We've got a new A League franchise about to be launched. I think there's lots of interesting parts to this, but the most interesting thing is that who's going to take over that license? And that is Bill Foley, the US, Mm. well, billionaire. He's got an NHL team in Las Vegas. He's got a Team in the
0: English Premier
1: League. This is a, a great boon for football, professional football in Australasia. I would have thought
0: it is Jimmy, and um, the Auckland Black Knights is the working title, likely to uh, be kept as as it's part of the kind of night sporting franchise that uh, Bill Foley has started. Uh, obviously, successful uh, Golden Knights out of um, Las Vegas. I was lucky enough to go and see them once, and it was a great night out. And uh, look, Bill Foley, fascinating character, you know, worth about 1.6 billion US dollars. Made a lot of money uh, in insurance and financial services, but also uh, in restaurants, wine, and moved into um, the sporting field not too long ago. Um, actually, it's probably not as surprising as some people think that he's bought into a New Zealand team. He does have a bit of a history with the country in terms of business. Uh, in terms of some of his hospitality businesses, uh, his wine work, and um, really it's a, obviously, you know it's a great uh, outcome for the A-League to have someone of, of his stature uh, buy in, given that some of the alternatives could have been groupings, it could have been a bit less solid, and to have someone like um, Bill Foley come in and uh, their reputation and primarily their wealth Um, is obviously a great success story for the A-League in terms of its expansion. Um, Mm. So you'll now have two teams in New Zealand. You'll be able to have derbies in New Zealand, and Auckland re-enters this market, which is, you know, Auckland's a large city, not as big as Sydney or Melbourne, but it is large. It's bigger than Adelaide, and um, it's important that they have a presence.
1: Uh, and, and you talk about that from an A-League point of view, and I'll ask you about expansion very shortly, but given the fact that we've got the Jets and the Glory up for sale and that's been happening for quite some time, um, very encouraging to get someone of Bill Foley stacked in as an owner as well. What about that? We're now at an odd number for A-League franchises. We have that in the NRL and you know, it, we're going to 18. It's just a matter of when. Do you get the same sense in the A-League as well, Leo?
0: Yeah, I mean, just to take a step back there, Jimmy, and and to those uh, those other franchises up for sale. This is obviously it's, it's it shows the importance of, st- of 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 new franchises, how they are valued, uh, and it shows that there is actually you know the limited amount. If you are someone looking uh, to invest in sport in in a franchise, is the limited amount of sophisticated sporting markets there actually are in the world where you can still get uh, quality growth. And obviously, someone like Bill Foley sees that, but on the flip side, if you have an existing franchise that perhaps has shown it's not doing as as well as it could in in, a big market like Perth or or even Newcastle, where there is a popular football market, you might struggle because of the history there. Now, in terms of expansion, yes, the A-League pretty clearly wants to expand again, um, and to fourteen teams, its model now is going to be much more based on a kind of Olympic-style model, where you identify the market and you speak to people in those markets who are willing to invest, rather than throw it all out in a competing bids fashion in in several different cities at the same time as they did with the last expansion team uh, with mm. Macapa, which members of the freshwater team, it should be said, also worked on successfully. Um, <laughs> so, Canberra. Uh, I think would be in the prime position there. It's, it's a strong sporting city, albeit not, you know, one of the largest. But it is a strong sporting city. Uh, it does have a history, a strong history of football, or soccer in, in in that city. And prior, you know, incarnations of, um, of of national football competitions did have did have a Canberra franchise as a Canberra club as well. So you'd think they'd be in uh, with a pretty good chance. You'd think maybe Hobart. But given now they've got an AFL license, you probably can't sustain that in the popularity of uh, the AFL there. And you've got a good basketball team, Canberra, with the Brumbies and the Raiders. Um, and you'd think that with the combination maybe of that and the idea that Canberra could get a new stadium as well, it could be very viable.
1: Yeah, so that's something that I was going to ask you about. CEO of the Raiders, Don Ferner, has talked a lot about wanting to build a new stadium. I think there is space for it in the city centre. thinks think that's going to be a game changer. So obviously for the Raiders and the Brumbies, but also now in a rectangular purpose-built stadium for content across the summer months too, if they were to get an A-League franchise. So maybe if if Canberra did get that, that franchise, that would gain a bit more momentum in the nation's capital, I would have thought, Leo.
0: Yeah, you'd think so. Look, the the GIO or the Old Bruce Stadium, um, you know, has had a place in Canberra's hearts for a long time. Uh, obviously, I'm a I'm a camper boy myself, and used to go out watch the Brumbies and the Raiders. But, you know, it is it is far out. There is complications aplenty with the leasing arrangement, the ACT government. It's, it's expensive to put on games there. Um, teams like the Brumbies it does cost them a lot. The Raiders aren't happy with the current setup. There's all sorts of talk of, you know, do the Raiders move back out to Quimbian, you know, to, and redo wow. Chief at Oval or something, or do do the Raiders, do the Brumbies move out to Tuggeranong and, and just have their own private stadium out there? So there's all this talk of, you know, this could split this up. The government um, is, is interested, but there's planning issues. There's all sorts of, David Pocock, in fact, the former Brumbie and, and, and Senator, is pushing for this um, in the city area, maybe the old Civic Pool area, but, Uh, If it could be done, you know, an A-League franchise would definitely uh, help that cause and to have a quality uh, rectangular stadium in the city in Canberra, uh, you'd think it'd do great things, um, not just for the sport, but the overall kind of uh, tourism and and, and events in, in, in that city.
1: Yeah. All right, let's turn our attention to cricket now. We've talked about it a lot on this program around private equity, investment in cricket. I always felt it could have come, should have come, might come in the BBL and franchise ownership there. There's a suggestion, Leo, that that might actually take place across all forms of cricket and Cricket Australia might establish, uh, much like the the All Blacks have done, New Zealand rugby, uh, and look for investment there. What do you think is most likely?
0: Well, look, I don't think in the short term that's you're going to see a, a, a large private equity raise. I mean, Morgan Stanley were bought in last year or earlier this, this year, I think, to investigate. Um, Mike Baird, who's uh, Cricket Australia head now, has, has said, look, they're happy with the debt deal. Uh, or it's around $50 million. Uh, but given the success, and all of a sudden, uh, the Australian cricket team is once again, you know, arguably the the, the best uh, national team we have given their success in retaining the Ashes, uh, world champions are now once again uh, world champions in in one day cricket. How do they kind of leverage that a bit? And you think they they have to find a ways that through private money. And then the BBL is the real is the real catch in all of this because it does drag uh, cricket Australia and the model is pretty old fashioned uh, in having the you know it owned by cricket Australia. Um, You know, Usman Khawaja was pretty public last year saying, look, you need private investment in the Big bash. otherwise you're just going to fall behind. You know I'm going to compete with the South African and the Bangladeshis at this rate, let alone uh, the Indians. And, you know, I think David Warner's going to miss tests to go and play in Dubai, um, in the Dubai uh, 2020 competition this year. So, you know, you've got this situation where cricket is in a very good base in terms of victories and, and arguably financially, um, but BBL and 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 BBL style competitions are really the boom area and ours is the drag. So what are we going to do about that? And until you have a system that allows private ownership in the BBL, I think it will continue to struggle. It's struggling in the ratings, struggling in the crowds. You know, it was, uh, it's got a lot of work to do and, and a lot of that is retaining these quality players.
1: This is a really interesting summer for the BBL, I think, because of the reduced number of games, the the um, shortened uh, time span of the competition, and they've basically put it all within the school holidays. So all of those metrics that you talked about, TV audiences and live numbers at games is interesting. The one thing that we have to do if we're to grow the BBL is get Indian players in here. So, and and if you think about why Australians love the NBA so much, there's lots of reasons, but we love seeing the Australians in the NBA over there playing. Now yeah. we're a country of 25 million people. If if you know there is a market for of 1.3 billion people who are obsessed by the game of cricket, why wouldn't you make your competition more attractive by getting some Indian um, based players in there? And to do that, you're going to have to pay them a lot of money to do that you're going to have to get some private equity. Does that all make sense, Leo, or is that yeah, too simple? Yeah, and, and
0: no, no. And, and speaking of, you know, the Knights and others, you can have these IPL, these IPL franchises ostensibly sent yes. into Australia. And, you know, I don't think there's a lot of fidelity towards, you know, the Sydney Sixers brand if they became the Knight Riders overnight. I don't think that would bother a lot of people. And um, it could be quite exciting, and you'd probably attract a, a, you probably attracts potentially more fans both domestically and internationally. But yeah. as you said, you're not going to get such a uh, <laughs> you're not going to get a Kohli over here. Um, you're not going to get any of those big Indian players over here um, if you don't have the funds. It's pretty simple. Yeah.
1: Yeah, no, ab- absolutely right. But even if you look at someone like, who was the guy that got the 123 uh, the other day? It was a uh, Guy Quad. Um, amazing. Yep. And, and there's literally thousands of people in the stands cheering him on. So you just multiply yep. that out from a TV audience point of view. Last question, Leo, on this Friday afternoon. Netball Australia and the Netball Players Association. This is starting to get a little bit ugly now. What do you anticipate happening? The girls haven't been paid for 10 weeks and it's buying hard.
0: Yeah well I I believe on uh, your program or or, or on ICN there was an interview yesterday um, with the uh, Players Association head talking about some of the issues around this. Um, Look there's supposed to be a meeting today um, with Joe Weston and uh, the the head of Netball Australia and I think you'd think I mean, she was quite emotional in the press conference talking about players having to yes. sleep in cars and, and, and waiting on this. And it's obviously hugely stressful because there's a point in in these, especially women's sports, where they're kind of going from semi still semi amateur, but to, you know, a, a professional earning environment. And if you do that and yet you don't have the security of a pay deal, you're all of a sudden very vulnerable because you're no longer just an yep. amateur who has another. All of a sudden, you are a semi-professional, but you still you can't eke out a living that way. So I think that's the that's the danger for women's sport as they do uh, turn into real professional sports in 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 certain leagues. And what they're asking for seems pretty reasonable as a revenue share, which is not dissimilar to a lot of other professional sports. In fact, yesterday. Um, the federal minister for sport actually announced that um, uh, Netball Australia would miss out on an $18 million grant. Now, it'd be interesting to see if that's a link politically to this pay dispute, but apparently they hadn't put forward a strong enough case as to why they, they were owed this money, and now that's gone into a pool for women's sport that Netball Australia can also apply for. So, look, you'd oh. hope by the end of today, um, all emotions aside, you'd, you'd hope by the end of today this would take the course of a lot of these bought pay deals where you can, you know, obviously get a solution of some, of some kind.
1: Mm, no, they're greatly admired athletes in this country, uh, the the Australian side and, and the super netball team uh, players. So um, let's hope they do work something out. Leo, as always, fantastic, mate. You have a great weekend.
0: Thanks, Jimmy. You too.
1: Leo Shanahan there. He is a director at Freshwater Strategy. I love talking that business of sport. Yeah, you forget about it, right? Auckland, bigger than Adelaide. So it's an obvious place for an A-League team. Uh, Keep the text messages coming in. We'll break and then we're back with more. You're listening to Afternoons on SCN.